Hey everybody, welcome to. Oh, Aaron's Sorry. just adjusting his mic over there. Nice little spring. Just checking my tune. I like oh, it. Dude, this a... drives me crazy every time I talk. Ah, uh, what are you gonna do? So that's why I had to fix it. <laughs> well, hey. I almost said stop. <laughs> well, hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the 49-week challenge reading plan. Yeah, and as usual, if you have any questions, we do like to try and take time every week uh, to answer a couple of those questions. Sometimes we're not been able to, uh, which leads us to this week, actually. It's kind of a special one-off kind of uh, podcast that we're recording. We're going to actually take a handful of questions that we've received that we have yet to be able to answer and just take some time processing through right. those questions together today. Uh, so we can get those questions checked off our list so you can continue to send in more questions. So that's what today's podcast is. But if you have future questions, here's what I would tell you to do. Take a moment, jump in your email and send it an email to info at grove.church. And then we can make sure we put your question in one of the, in the list that we're answering. Or you can also jump on Facebook. We are the Grove Church in Washington State. Uh, we have a campus in Snohomish and Marysville. Uh, and you can direct message our Facebook page uh, your question and we will get that question on our list as well. So it's going to be a fun podcast today, I think totes. Yeah, it was funny because we were looking at our backlog of questions. There's like eight or nine in there. So I was like, oh, we should probably like just bang out a few of these and yeah. uh, get back on, get so, back on track. So that's what we're doing bit. today. So absolutely. All right. So uh, question one, um, and this is actually one, it's, it's funny because it doesn't sound like a common question, but I actually get this one a lot from just like kind of people talking. Yeah. But uh, uh, here we go. It says, this week we read two chapters in Judges that made no sense to me. Judges 17 and 18, uh, which, and also 19, you can join. I'll be honest. I feel that way about the majority of the Bible, which is why I have to stop and ask questions too. There you go. So good job asking questions. Uh, it sounds like Micah stole from his mom, then returned it. And she said it was a gift for the Lord to make a carved image and a molded image. Why do you think God would want that? Uh, and then Micah goes on to make a shrine. Then there was a Levite, God's chosen priest, who chose to dwell with Micah and be his priest. Can this get any more crazy? Yes, this listener can. exclaims. Uh, then to top it off, later on, he joins the tribe of Dan and brings the carved and molded images with him. I really don't get why they think this is okay. So. I just love the question marks, exclamation points that exist in this question. So, yep. It makes so, me smile. Uh, the last line there where you said, I really don't get why they thought this was okay. Um, congratulations. You get the point now. So <laughs> like, so I, the point of judges 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, I think that's where it ends. Um, or is it 24? I can look here really quick. It is 21. All right. Um, the point of those chapters is to show how lawless and basically awful Israel had become. Um, and so you get like, like the, to me, the judges 19 chapter was like the craziest one. I remember reading that as a kid and I was like, what on earth is happening here? Cause it's the one where, um, the priest and his concubine, which a right there, that's a problem. Yeah, right. Uh, they go flag. danger, danger. They go into a village and then they, some people knock on the door and say, Hey, um, basically like they're about to sexually assault this priest and he's like, no, 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 no. Take her instead. And he throws her out of the, uh, of the house, locks the door. Um, she's killed. And then he chops her into like 12 pieces and sends one to it's, it's the weirdest thing. And, and now we're going to have a lot of people asking about that. Yeah, that's fair. Well, it up. here's, here's what's going to, here's what's going to happen right now. Um, one of the big things to keep in mind when reading the Bible is the difference between a prescriptive text and a descriptive text. So a prescriptive text is prescribing something. So it's telling you, you should do this. 
a descriptive text is just explaining what happened. Um, and I think sometimes what we expect is that every time that there's a sin in the Bible, the commentary would just say, and the Lord did not approve of this, or, and then people saw that there was great evil. Like, you know, so there would be some type of a note denoting sin, but that's not always the case. Yeah. Well, but I think it's also inherent that as you read the Bible, as you see God and his, uh, you know, his, his, his anger and his wrath towards sin, it, it, God's not going to come out every time and say, I don't like that, or right. I don't like that. Or I, I mean, to be honest with you, most of his history and humanity will be, will be followed up with a statement like, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. Uh, and so some, I think you're not going to get this every time where God's like, this is, you know, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord, which was a repeated phrase in Judges, mm -hmm. but you're not going to get it every time where God's saying, I don't like that either, uh, because it's inherent. We should, at this point, having read the Bible, as long as we have, we should recognize, okay, that's not something God approves of and likes. Yeah. The writer, the author of Judges is expecting the reader to read this and say, oh man, that's awful. Yeah. Um, and the other point I want to bring in is, in, I can't remember how many times, I think it's repeated four or five times in those chapters, but it's the phrase, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in, their, in his own eyes, which is really the point of the yeah. end of Judges. And you could even say it's the point of the whole book of Judges, but, but really it's the point of the end. So to read... Um, the beginning of chapter 17, it says, there was a man in the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said to his mother, the 1100 pieces of silver that were taken from you about which you uttered a curse and also spoke it in my ears. Behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, blessed be my, by, blessed be my son by the Lord. And he restored the 1100 pieces of silver to his mother. And his mother said, I am uh, I dedicate the silver to the Lord from my hand for my son to make a carved image and a metal image. Now, therefore, I will restore it to you. So when he restored the money to his mother, his mother took 200 pieces of silver and gave it to the silversmith who made into and made it into a carved image and a metal image. And the and it was in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a shrine and he made an ephod and household gods and ordained one of his sons who became the priest. And then the next line is, in those days, there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So right there, it's kind of telling you. Yeah. Um, and that's also, that's the last line of the book. The very last line of the book of Judges is, Sweet. in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone yeah. did what was right in his own eyes. And it's kind of, well, one, one of the theories I've heard is that the book of Judges was written um you could almost like think of it as maybe like the Federalist Papers, where like those were written to defend the Constitution and why it was important to have. You could almost view Judges as it was written uh, to defend the monarchy of David and why that was important to have. Um, obviously, it doesn't translate like one to one because it is like the inspired word of God. But you see in Judges basically time and time again reminding in those days there was no king. And it's seeing this major shortcoming happening in that time. Well, but I also think you got to realize, though, too, is that it's... At the end of the day, there is a king. His name is God, and his people rejected him as king. When they first reached out and wanted Saul to be, not Saul, sorry. <laughs> wow. No, so yeah, King Saul. Just kidding. Yeah, first king. Brilliant. I was thinking because we talk. We're also do a, a Zoom discipleship. We talk about Colossians and Paul, uh, who was Saul in the New Testament. Uh, so that's where I got confused. For that. Like, no, that's not Saul. Uh, but when they wanted King Saul, like when they wanted a king, they wanted to be like the other nations. They, right. in essence, they took a moment. And I think I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, exactly where, but I'm pretty sure there's a conversation between God and Samuel, who was a prophet of God in that same period of time. And it's, God just tells Samuel, like, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Evan, but like they've rejected me as king. They want like, right. they want someone else as king. And, and so when it's like in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. I think the tension exists where 
this sort of thing you see play out. Like why why did why did they think it was okay? Because they were they were living according to their own own standards and expectations, their own perspective, mm-hmm. their own whims and desires. And it's it's a picture of of lawlessness and not lawlessness in the sense that the government needs to come in and create laws, but it was a sense of rejecting God's demand and commands. Right. And they lived according uh, to their own ideas of what it means to live righteously or to live according to their feelings. I mean, there's so many parallels to today. Yeah. Judges um, is just cycle after cycle of the people rejecting God, God letting yeah, bad things happen. And, and, then, and in God's grace and, and raising amazing up love. Return allows them to return to him, mm-hmm. and he pursues them again with the righteous judge. You know, and even some judges that are not necessarily righteous, but they're righteous because they're God's instrument. You know, like Samson who comes to mind. But there is in that time and period, and I would even say in today's time and period, time period, right. we we wrestle with the same thing. We we live according to our own perspectives, our own political theo- theological beliefs that aren't necessarily rooted in God being creator, God being sovereign, God being king, that he says he really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and really that's what we need. I mean, I think Judges even paints the picture that when we don't have the right king and that we are not submitting our lives to the right kingship, we're going to live lawlessly. And we're going to, I mean... Well, it shows the brokenness of humanity yeah. too, because Israel only unites and lives well, basically under strong leadership. Um, and you see that in Judges and you see that in Kings and Chronicles, yeah. that... When the judge is good or when there's the king is good, Israel's doing well, right. but it doesn't take much. Like there's never there's never a bad king who just gets overthrown by the people. It might have happened a couple of times. I'd have to look it up. I think in the northern kingdom, there's a couple of times that it happened. But I don't recall. for the most part, like, you know, Ahaz is out sacrificing children and the people are like, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Well, and yeah, and I mean, even just to go back to answer the question directly, like I don't get why they think this is okay because they thought it was okay in their own eyes. Yeah, they legitimately was like, "This is okay." Like, I'm, I'm, my heart is my my intentions are good. I'm a good person, you know. They justified their actions based upon their own understanding. So, um, that's that's point blank the thing. But I I do think much bigger than that is it is a it is a parallel to our world today. It's a parallel to our world ten world ten years ago. It's going to be a parallel to our world yeah. ten years from now. The reality is when we don't live under the right authority in our lives, which is AKA Christ. We will do things and live in manners that are not righteous and not worthy. And my biggest fear, and not even my biggest fear, like a fear that I have in processing this conversation and this question is, God, protect me from someone looking back on my life and me looking just like Micah, <laughs> like looking and and modeling my behavior based upon my own yeah. perspective. So Yeah. I mean, long story short on the answer, when you're reading through the end of Judges in particular, just remember that. The point of those chapters is to show how far Israel had declined. So when you're reading it and you're like, and what, what happens on... when you don't live yeah. with the right king in mind? When you're reading it and saying like, what on earth are they thinking? That's the point. Yeah. Um, okay. So question two. So you hit the nail on the head. Good job. Um, more complicated question. Although I guess with a kind of an easier answer, but uh, in Daniel eight fourteen, what is meant by the 2300 evenings and morning prophecy? Uh, the 70... Seven's prophecy is confusing, but it's been explained to align with Jesus' birth and I think death, but this is not all that obvious, especially given uh, some pastor in 1844 got very disappointed when it didn't mean the second coming in his lifetime. Side note on that, stop trying to predict the second coming. It's just... Well, and the and the, the one you asking the question is not no, no, no. trying to predict it, but the, the statement is like, we are, in our own humanity, in our own arrogance, we try and figure out when is Jesus coming back Yeah, that and was... we try and put a date and a time. Jesus says point blank in Matthew 24, no one knows the hour or the time, 
except God himself. Yeah. That was not directed at our dear yeah. listener. That was just I just like, want to make sure there's clarity there because yeah. in, in general, yeah. I just think there's, um, there's this weird obsession with like, so our, ultimately as Christians, our hope is that Christ is coming back and we get to be uh, united with God in, in perfect relationship, which is amazing. And when you use the word hope, you're not saying like wishful. No. You're like, saying it's an anchor. This, this will This happen. is what we hold to. Yeah. Um, when Hebrew says this, we have this as a hope, as an anchor to our souls, it's that picture. But yeah, I think sometimes we let that hope turn into an obsession with trying to figure out like when exactly is this going yep. down? When it's like, is this... I need a date and time, Lord. Yeah. Like the point is that we don't know. Um, anyway, that's not the point of the question. And we'll, we'll know when he shows up. <laughs> so 2300, I'll read this verse really quick. Um, it's got kind of an easy answer, but Daniel's... Daniel's so funny because half the book is like narrative and easy story. And the other half is like, what is happening? I think here? Daniel's a book that I really enjoy reading mm-hmm. for the narrative. The moment it shifts to prophetic, I'm like, you lost me, bro. You're like, what's happening here? <laughs> Go back to lines then. Let me read that story again. So Daniel 8, 13 through 14 says, uh, then I heard a holy one speaking and another holy one said to the one who spoke, for how long is the vision concerning the regular burnt offering, the transgression that makes desolate? And the giving over the sanctuary and host to be trampled underfoot. And he said to me, for 2300 evenings and morning, the sanctuary shall be restored to it. Then the sanctuary shall be restored to his rightful state. Um, so super open-handed. Again, we talked about open-handed and close-handed things. So All the time. You could convince me very quickly that this is not the case. But the most convincing interpretation I've read um, is that 2300 is about the days that are in six years. And so this could uh, be referring to the six year period of time between the death of the high priest Onias the third in 170 BC and the cleansing of the temple by Judas Maccabeus in 164 BC. So remember, and this is also a lot, a lot of people think that this is the abomin- abomination of desolation is what it is. Um, but you'll, that's, you'll, that's a mouthful. Yeah. So remember the, the Greeks, Alexander the great comes through, he conquers Palestine. Um, I'll, I'll along with like everything Israel, I guess, by me, the whole region he conquers. Um, and then the Greek generals are put in charge. One of the Greek generals goes into the temple um, and he starts making sacrifices to Zeus in the temple, which is offensive to us today, um, would have been incredibly offensive to the Jews living in Israel at the time. And so this family called the Maccabees basically go into the temple and they're like, no, not anymore. And they throw out the Greeks. And I think there's like a 70 year period of um, where the, where Israel's independent again before they're reconquered. So anyway, I think, I, it's, I that. think that's how long it was, but anyway, for, for what that's worth, that's what it's referring to. Um, Hanukkah is, uh, it, the, the reason for that celebration is during that whole revolt. So it's one of those things where it's extra biblical, like it's not in the Bible, but it is really interesting history. Yeah. Um, and I do think that, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to read the, it's just like, it's just interesting stuff to know. And it also is really important for understanding the new Testament is the, um, the Maccabean revolts essentially gave rise to the Sadducees, which were the group of people who were kind of like, you know, let's not rock the boat. Let's be happy with the Romans. Let's do this whole thing. And so that's one of the groups that Jesus is dealing with. Mm-hmm. And it's a direct outgrowth of um, the Maccabean revol- revolts eventually being put down rather brutally. So yeah. there you go. And um, and just to be fair, that this question is a massive question, um, and there's not enough time for me. I didn't have enough time to process and try and figure out some of the things, because even you alluded to the, the one who wrote the question about the 77's prophecy and Daniel and things like that. Um, there, there's more layers to that conversation than than I was really able to figure out. Um, Revelation hints and refers back to it. Daniel talks directly about the 77. So um, I'm hoping to figure it out because I that's going to drive me crazy until I have an answer. 
um, because it's, I think it's a much bigger conversation than just Jesus' birth and, resur- and death and resurrection or whatever, or death um, there. So um, stay tuned on that one. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back to it at some point yeah. is what I'm hearing Aaron say. Yes. So Cause there's just more to it. It's, I don't, my recollection of, and I couldn't find where it was when I read this in the book of Revelation specifically, um, is that it's not just directly related to the birth of Christ. And I'm not entirely sure. I know that Christianity had an article, I think it was Christianity Today or whatever, but that talked a little bit about it, but there's a lot more to it. So I'm just going to ask more questions and create more opportunities for questions. So you're welcome for that. There you go. All right. Uh, last two questions, both of them having to do with First uh, Kings 14. So kind of interesting there. Uh, the first one is, in First Kings 14, why does it say both at the start and at the end of his reign who Rehoboam's mother was and that she was an Ammonite? Um, so really easy stuff here. Um, because Maybe easy for you, Evan. Well, yeah, well, because it's because it's rare. So uh, I, f- I did not write down her name. That would have been smart. But Rehoboam's mother is the only queen mother, um, which is to say, the only woman who gave birth to a king who was not an Israelite. Uh, she was an Ammonite. So there you go. And that's pretty significant. Yep. And in in all of Israelites' history, like that's very significant. Well, and it hints at Solomon's greatest failing as a king was the fact that he. Um, he didn't hold fast to the worship of the Lord until the very end of his life. And that he had, I mean, a 300 wives, not cool. Dude, the, um, the guy, but man, the guy was, he was the wisest man that walked the earth. Yeah. And, and it shows that it goes to show like you can have all the knowledge and wisdom, but yep. you don't always live according to it. Um, and then ev- an even bigger problem than the 300 wives was the fact that so many of them did not worship God. Um, and particularly troublesome because the Ammonites worshiped Molech, which I didn't know. Um, until I was looking mm-hmm. into this, but uh, Molech, I'm not going to talk a ton about him because that's actually what the next question is about. I so. just like to decide because yeah, I'm reading note, your notes, Evan. It says, and the Ammonites worship Molech, who was the worst. <laughs> so I, I and I can totally pick your, I can totally hear your voice saying, and he, which is the worst. He's yeah, the worst. Molech is, yeah. We'll the talk. worst God. Little G. So there you go. That's why uh, <laughs> it makes a big deal about who she is and that she's an Ammonite. So <laughs> moving. Which leads us into question four. Yeah. Uh, from First Kings 14 and other places, there are mention of Asherah poles, the Baals, and Molech, who's the worst, obviously. Uh, uh, just the worst. Obviously, the evil and nefarious God with the lowercase g, but why did people worship them? What did they, uh, what What did, were they gods of? What were they gods of? You might have gone over this before. I don't remember what the, uh, the, the questioner asks. Yeah. So. so the second question is really Molech's the worst. Okay. Uh, Molech's just the freaking worst. Uh, <laughs> So the the first the second question is the easiest one to answer. So Asherah was a goddess of fertility. Oh, uh, Baal was a god of fertility, crops, and weather, um, which is probably why his worship was really widespread because he was the god over so many things. And then Molech appears to be a god of war of some sort. So, um, and he demanded ex- exceptionally evil sacrifices. Yeah, which okay. makes him the worst. Okay, so here's why I'm Moloch- totally gonna ride that till the day I die. Now, here's Moloch why- is the worst. Here's why Molech is the worst. Uh, he, you, the way you worship Molech is is child sacrifices. Yeah, you kill- you kill a kid. So it's not, it's not just. That's the, not a really insensitive by me. Like, yeah, you kill a kid. Yeah. Like, you, no, like, like, but like, like that sucks. It's, it's, it's not just that you're not worshiping God and giving him the honor that he deserves, which is already incredibly offensive and the most offensive thing about, about worshiping another God. Um, but then you're, you're murdering innocent children yeah. as part of your worship for that God. And that's why um, you'll see in, I, I believe it was Hezekiah's dad was the one who was like totally cool with Molech worship. I remember. Um, That's a curious question. I believe hmm. I believe when we were talking about it, he he was. Um, but you'll see a lot of times when Molech worship happens, all of a sudden God's like, okay, no, we're done here. And yeah. then a good king comes and just rips it away. Yeah. So 
Um, anyway, that's who Molech is. Um, Baal, you'll hear a lot of because the really famous story with Elijah and the, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, the sacrifice off or whatever between God and Baal. But uh, that's what, that's yeah. one of my favorite stories in the Bible. One of, it was one of Isaiah's peaks when he really, when God really showed up and did something incredible. Or Elijah. Elijah, sorry. What did oh, I say? Uh, Isaiah. Oh my gosh. I mean, there was Baal worship me. going on there too. I it's think, true. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was a pretty incredible story. Um, so there you go. And then Asherah poles. We don't know much about these, um, but Asherah was some type of a goddess of fertility, really commonly worshipped in the area. Mm-hmm. And you would build shrines to her, which were these poles. And yeah. so you just hear over and over again. Um, I guess you worshipped her in that way more than Baal and Molech because you don't necessarily hear like tear down the Molech monuments or anything like that. But so apparently the... Apparently, one of the major ways to worship Asherah would have been building monuments of some kind. Yeah. And so that's well, why. and it's yeah, it's it's yeah, it's almost like I don't even know, know the word. It's like a token you kind of have. You know, you want you want to be fertile, you want to produce kids, you know, you want to have a legacy and things right. like that. But um, so the for the whole thing though, like the 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 part of the question that I that I think is really interesting um, to ask that I I'd love I have thoughts, but I'm gonna make you answer first. Um, Sick. But the idea of like why do people worship them? Like why? Right. So. One of the I have my own thoughts. But. Okay, yeah. So one of the one of the one of the things to keep in mind is, I, I'm guessing your thoughts are going to be. Um, you don't know me like you think you know me. Are your thoughts going to be kind of along the lines of like we we worship other things today? Is that what you is that where you're going? Nope. Is that, no, you're not. Okay, nope. so I'll hit both of these then. Um, I think number one, the human heart is we're we're inclined to worship things today that we wouldn't necessarily call gods. But when you look at where we spend our time, where we spend our money, where we find our meaning in life. Um, all of a sudden we realize like, well, it is really easy for me to turn my affections away from God to mm-hmm. something else. So I think that's something to keep in mind. Um, C.S. Lewis called it chronological snobbery, which I think is just a great phrase. Um, but what he means is... That is a great phrase. Looking... But you can't really use it today. Yeah. It doesn't It doesn't make... It, people are like, what? I know. Yeah, <laughs> But it's such a good it. phrase. Like, oh, interesting. Um, but what he means by that is looking back in time and thinking less of people just because we're more modern. Um, when you realize that like... No, the things that people were going through in ancient times, obviously the contexts are different, but um, the human heart really hasn't changed. And so That's it's true. it's it's foolish to think like, oh, look at those guys making polls to gods while you like, you know what I mean? While you- What uh, are you new? Yeah. Whatever it is that you worship in, in exchange for that. Um, the other thing I was going to say, and this is more of a historical context, um, remember how exceptional monotheism was at the time. Um, and we kind of take, so monotheism means that you, you believe there's one God, yep. whereas polytheism believes that you believe there's many gods. Um, and typically to, in polytheistic cultures and, and worldviews or belief systems, whatever, it's like, there's a God attributed to the sun or a God, you know, right. go to mytho- Greek mythology and go to the different things like that. That's, you know, even, you know, native American theology, so to speak, like they have a God of the water or they right. have a God of the sun, things like that. So, so there's, um, we take it for granted today because the three major religions of the world. I mean, so I guess you can put aside um, Buddhism because it's kind of its own thing where it's like a pantheism thing. Um, But like Hinduism is the only major world religion today that's polytheistic. And then um, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam are all um, monotheistic. So we kind of take it for granted. And major major religions, not like they have widespread influence and widespread reach. And that's what I mean. Like, so living in America... Um, I mean, how many Hindus do you run into? But you, you know a lot of Christians, you know a lot of Jews, and you know a lot of um, you know a lot of Muslims. Yeah. And so those are the main uh, those are the main faiths of today. They're all monotheistic. Back then, um, monotheism was the exception. And I was actually um, I'm, 
eventually I'm going to stop talking about Job, but I was, I was reading in, um, <laughs> I was reading in one of the, the commentaries I'm going through that, um, what's interesting about Job in the context of, of the ancient literature is that his, his struggle only makes sense in a monotheistic lens, hmm. um, because polytheistic people would have no problems explaining why bad things happen to Job, even though he serves a God well. Cause like, Oh yeah, well you serve Zeus well, but Poseidon obviously is pissed at you. And so, um, I never thought of that. Yeah. I, I never thought of it either. I thought it was really interesting. Um, but the idea that the only reason it's a problem is because the book assumes that there's one God who is good, mm-hmm. that Job is blameless and upright before. So there you go. Um, as far as like, I, I think the Israelites, are a culture on their own. And I think if there's anything we, even today, right? When Christianity goes against culture, that's one of the hardest stands to make mm-hmm. when like, so like just coming at it from American, from American culture, there's things that we as Christians believe that the overall culture of our country would disagree with. And those are sometimes the toughest stands Pretty to take. Pretty drastically too. Yeah. And so, and so back then, keep in mind the idea that there was one God was very different mm-hmm. from what all the other nations of the earth believed. Yeah. And it, 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 it continued to be a problem because you really don't see, um, you don't see a unified monotheism in Israel until really after the exile. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is not theologically. The, it, the Jews have always believed that there is one God. You can read Deuteronomy, you can read all these, these texts and you can see that that's what they believe. Yeah. But the people oftentimes struggled worshiping only one God. And Mm -hmm. you see that all throughout Kings, you see it all throughout Chronicles that they're worshiping Baal, they're worshiping Asherah, they're worshiping Molech, who is the worst. Um, And then, yeah, eventually God just kind of gets fed up with it, which which is the idea. But as far as like, I know this is a really long winded answer, I suppose, but as far as the answer for like, why, um, why did people worship them? I think it's because culturally, that was the normal thing. It was mm-hmm. abnormal to be monotheistic. It was normal to say like, oh yeah, Yahweh's awesome. But also, I mean, have you heard of Baal? Yeah. So that's kind of my thoughts on it. No, and I, I, I totally agree with you, you know, in that regard. I think it was a very big cultural influence. Um, and I think it's, you know, for me, it's like when you, when you ask where I'm going to go with this, it's, it's, it's a much like, it's a very simple answer, but a very deep conversation. Um, and, and I've heard it said multiple ways throughout my childhood, throughout my, you know, I guess more my youth adolescence when I was growing, you know, actually engaged in church uh, consistently on my own accord. And that was about when I was 15, 16 years old. So, but I've heard different things like we're created worshiping, we're created, you know, we're created to worship, we're created for worship. Um, and then recently, probably in the last decade of my life, there's been a statement that has been so true that has just challenged um, everything that I do and think. But it's, it's that statement that I said at the beginning, like it's, we are created worshiping, period. I mean, that's just who we are. God created us in his image for community to glorify him. That's our, like, that's our lives. And whether we follow Christ or we don't follow Christ, whether we're in the the Christian family or we're not inside the Christian family or the worldview, whatever you want to call it. I think the reality is we are actively worshiping something or someone. And and in our search for knowledge, I think in our search for identity and purpose and our search for um, meaning, I think we attribute our lives to things because we're created worshiping. There's no off switch, you know, and some things you could turn, you know, I think of a, of a, of a hose, you want water gushing out of the hose, you turn it on, but you can turn it off. But I, I feel like if I'm being honest, I feel like I, when I'm born, I'm created worshiping period. Yeah. Um, and there is no off switch. There's no, 
you know, there's no dial to turn it back. Like it's just, it's just what I'm doing. And so how I, you know, how I treat people, you know, how I, how I interact with my wife and my kids, how I, you know, hit snooze sometimes because I'm selfish. I'm worshiping myself in those moments. But I think the reality is that, that it is such a cultural issue because God's people and not referring to Old Testament Israelite God's people. I'm referring to God's creation, his human, his humanity, yeah. Adam and Eve as our ancestors, um, the first man and first woman, but we are created worshiping. And so in our, in our foolish attempts to find meaning apart from God, we worship things. And, you know, and we do that today. And I think this is where you kind of alluded to, you can, you can point to anything in our lives right now. We're worshiping in some way, shape or form because we're finding meaning, value and worth from those things. We're finding purpose. Um, and, and I think the, cause again, the question that was asked, um, you know, what were the gods of, we answered that, but why did people worship them? I think because they're, they're, that's who they are. They're worshipers, just like you and I are worshipers. And it's a much larger conversation, much deep. That's why I said it's a simple answer, but it's a much, a much deeper conversation. So, um, I think we always have to be a keeping our focus and alignment in check to Christ and Christ alone. And because we're worshipers, we're going to be pulled all the time from different things. We're going to find meaning in something else. We're going to find status in something. We're going to find, you know, purpose and, and our worth in different things. And so I think that's, for me, that's the depth of the conversation. Obviously we can go much deeper and talk in, in a lot more ways about it, but that like, that's the simple answer, which I, like I said, is a deeper question conversation. Yeah, no, great. That's my thought. Um, so anyways, yeah, there you go. That's going to wrap it up for today's episode. This session of Q&A. We might do another session soon. Yeah. So getting through. Keep asking questions. Yeah. No, seriously. We, we love we'll it. So, up. and it, it's, it's always a good thing to, um, to be able to kind of help people along with, yeah. with areas. And it also helps me and Aaron too, because a bunch of these questions that come in, like we've never thought of before. Nope. So it is like, it's really fun to be able to look at the Bible, um, through everyone's lens, not just the two of us, because yeah. that's no fun. Yeah. So, and yeah. we're not perfect. So sometimes our, our paradigms have to get challenged and shifted too. Uh, so I love it. There you be. All right. Well, on that note, we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. You can find all of our other resources on our website at grove.church. Have a great day.